0: Hey y'all, welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast, where we talk about what it means to be authentic in everything that we do, in every space that you occupy. I'm Conroy, I got Tony here with me, and today, today we have a special guest. Guys, this episode, uh, first of all, before we jump into what the episode is about, first of all, hey, give us a review, give us a like. Um, we got some really exclusive things coming up on deck. So just be on the lookout. Follow us on all social media platforms. And then, you know, I don't know. Give us a share. What do you think, Tony?
1: Share. Review. Rating. Y- y'all y'all about to be blown away. We say it every episode,
0: but by far the best one. By yes. far. Let's get it. Yes, we have Jerome Avery, so let's dive straight into it. What's up, world? Welcome back to another episode. Authentically Us, guys. We got a wonderful guest, like a very, 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 he's a big deal, guys. We got Jerome Avery on the pod today. He's a four-time Paralympic guide runner. He's a presenter. He's a speaker and just an overall great guy. Jerome, Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. I truly appreciate it. It's been a long time, so it's good to catch up with you as well.
0: Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited because I've watched you from afar, obviously, connected with you in person, uh, being down here in, in San Diego. So I'm excited to share your story with, with our listeners.
1: Awesome. Awesome.
0: And we got, we got Tony here, too. Yo, Tony, what's going on? Tony, I'm excited for you to meet Jerome, too, and to, to dive oh, into yeah. this. So. What's up,
2: Tony? What's going on,
0: bro?
2: <laughs> you know, just making it happen.
0: That's it. <laughs> That's all you can um, do, So let's right? jump right in. Um, so like I mentioned in your bio, you're a four-time Olympic guide runner. Before we jump into the to the big accolades, can you just explain what guide running is?
2: So basically, I run with visually impaired athletes. I'm a part of the USA Paralympic team. And the way that it works, I'm a sprinter. And I run with other sprinters that are totally blind. So when we're running, the blind, the, the, the sprinters that are blind, they have a blinder over their eyes to make the whole playing feel even. Instead of one lane, like they would be in an Olymp- at an Olympic Games, we're allowed two lanes, one for the athlete and one for the guide. Mm-hmm. Within those two lanes, we're allowed to veer in. So that middle line, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. As long as you don't step on the outside lines on both sides. That's on his side. And that's on mine. So from the whole race, from the beginning of the race till the end, I'm communicating to him and I'm also talking to him while we're racing. And at the end of the race, I'm also veering back. He has to cross before I cross. If I cross before he crossed, that's a disqualification. So those are all of the things I have to take into consideration while we're running the race. And, you know, it's, it's funny too, because, Sometimes as a as an elite athlete I like like I say as myself because I come from an individual background of running. You know, I get overly excited when I know that he's rolling out and, and I'm talking mm-hmm. to him while we're communicating and running and at the end of, if the race is tight, of course, I'm going to want to roll out and, and and take it, but I have to have that understanding that as a guide runner, it's not about me. It's about the athlete that I'm guiding. He has to cross the finish line before I cross and those are the things that i have to constantly think about so once again as far as running and and guiding communication trust motivating and also being aware of your surroundings is it important as a guide runner
1: so i i'm sure that um I, when you started out guide run, guide running it was difficult for you to remember I can't cross that line first because I'm sure as you get excited of being at the end, um, it's hard to remember. They have to go before you.
2: You know what, Tony? That's a good question. Um, you know what? To be honest, when I got into the sport, being making those sacrifices as an individual athlete, being in the positions I'm in, and understanding that I am not an individual athlete and now a team player, I understood my role immediately. So surprisingly, yeah. I've never had that issue once I got into that role. You know, the only time that I was actually a team player, I would like to say, is when I was a part of a relay team. And and once again, I knew my role as a part of a relay team. I knew that I had to get that stick around. I knew I had to stay within those certain certain areas. So, it, so we wouldn't get disqualified. So, those are the things that I took in as an individual athlete onto being a team player. That understanding. So, when when I jumped into it, they threw me into the wolves. I literally learned on the fly in a major competition, and that's at the Paralympic Games in two thousand and four. So, having that individual background of, of of being a team player on a relay team uh, and making those sacrifices, I knew my role. So. Surprisingly enough, I just fell into it. It was automatic. Mm -hmm. I knew that we, in order for us to be successful, he had to cross that finish line first. Mm.
1: That's Mm. good. So talk to us about why God running.
2: Why God running? You know, it was to the point of time in my career. I want to say, you know, I like to say I'm the grandfather of track and field, you know, especially in what I do as 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 guiding guiding is a new realm it's especially in sprinting you know you'll see a lot of guide runners in the the marathon wearing the orange vest and you knew that they were guide runners because they had the orange vest on that's all they were labeled as at one point but i felt it was important for me as a guide because it was sprints and my individual experiences to talk to communicate and surprisingly enough in 2004, when I got involved in this, the other guys weren't communicating and that threw me off. I didn't have, I didn't understand why, you know, you're running with someone totally blind, but you're not letting them know exactly where they are on the track. It baffled me for a little bit, but I knew coming, once again, coming from an individual aspect of track for that first part of the race, you need to be in this position. You need to be in that drive phase for that next part of the race you need to gradually come up you need to be up tall you also even though subconsciously we're looking we're kind of looking to our to our sides to to see our position and let us know where exactly we are in that race and also if that race is tight we need to lean at the end
0: now uh Jerome i know that you are fast and you were fast up for a long time and you competed individually and you made it to a high level what was the highest level you competed at like individual before you crossed over
2: i mean i've I've ran in international races i've ran against the best of the best had the opportunities to run against our us best justin gatlin tyson gay uh all of those elites that that were there um and i've um also had the opportunity to run on our U.S. Olympic relay, uh, our, our development relay pools against the, against the world. So, rolled out. I've had the, those great opportunities.
0: And that is, that is amazing because I ran track in college. And those are, are, like, people I've looked up to. You know, the name that you just said, Tyson Gay, Justin Gatlin. And it was like, you know, my journey was I ran at Liberty University track. And then I was like, I want to make the Olympics. But I'm half Jamaican, so it's like, okay, if I can't make U.S., oh, nope, can't make oh, Jamaican boy, either. Oh, boy, you had a tough, you had a tough spot right there. <laughs> right, right. And that was just right around Rio. Oh. So that's when I switched to rugby, which is where I met you here down at the Olympic Training Center. So I was just always, like, at the track, mm-hmm. you know, watching and, and admiring. And one thing I admired about you is to be a guide runner, you literally... To be a great guide runner like you, you've had to master the stride, mm-hmm. and um, kind of watching you and you know David and also Lex and all these different athletes that you've ran with, they all run completely different. different. So, w- talk a little bit about like, do you have a fascination for biomechanics for the stride or? You know,
2: like, I, I was I was lucky enough to grow up with some great coaches and being around great coaches that. That worked on cadence, that worked mm-hmm. on positioning and and stride pattern. So yeah. that helped me out tremendously. So once again, when I when I got involved into the Paralympics, it was easy to make those adjustments for me, especially being at the level that I was at. Mm-hmm. So of course, as you know, like you said, you mentioned David Brown. He's more of a he's shorter than me, five seven, more of a power sprinter. So his stride pattern was shorter, and I, it was easy for me to adjust. I just had to. Uh, to make sure that I was hitting that ground quicker. Boom, 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 boom. With Josiah Jameson, 6'4. My man is 6'4. I knew, but once he, so for those that don't know, as a guy runner, we have to be much faster than the athletes we're running with. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes it easy for me to make those adjustments as well, being a faster athlete. But with him being 6'4, I knew that I was able to push, 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 and, and adjust with the slower cadence but my stride was able to open up more. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Lex. Lex was a little bit shorter, six one, six two, 6'2", and I was able to make those adjustments as well. So cadence come into it. And, you know, also it's, it's a rhythm thing. Yeah. It's definitely rhythm. Perfect example. Well, I like to say, it's almost like being a guide runner. It's a a three-legged race. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're, if your cadence match you're on, you're going to be successful. And that's the same thing. It's Except for us, except for us being connected at the legs, we're connected at the fingers, mm. and your cadence max, mm. exactly. When you watch us run, it's almost like one person running on the side. That's when you know you're doing it right. So, like I said, I you know I hate to brag, but I got some good rhythm. I can dance, <laughs> good rhythm. But I really think that that really makes you a great guide runner, having that rhythm, yeah. having mm. that good cadence, having that one two one two one two, mm. and able to open it up that stride.
0: Yeah. Who We a lot. Who knows? Maybe it sounds like you should be a spin instructor at the end of this. Oh, no, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> oh, you know, not in that bike. That's tough. Right. Oh, that's tough. Right, right. Yeah. I ain't gonna lie to you. And it, and it's been amazing to to watch that. And like, how to me, um, like transitioning from I transitioned from one sport to another sport. You transitioned kind of laterally, in a sense. So how important to you was it like
2: staying in the track and field realm? You nope. Know, one door closes. Another one opens. Mm. This gave me the opportunity to stay involved into the sport. I didn't realize that it was going to go this far, to be honest. I just was in a position to where I was able to help someone else achieve, mm. their, achieve their dreams and, and their goals. And I was I was perfectly fine with it. I knew I was at the top end of my sport and in my career at that time to where, OK, I, I love what I do. I still would love to be involved. Mm-hmm. But I even thought on it as a, you know, maybe I'll be a coach or 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 a speed trainer. Mm-hmm. But it allowed me to still be in shape and to and to pursue something else. Mm -hmm. And my mantra now is success through selflessness. If you win, I win. We're all tied together. We're one person. We're tied together. We're one person. And it just created so much more being a guide runner. Like I like to tell people, you know, I honestly feel like me as an individual athlete, I've ran against the best of the best. I've traveled the world from running. But me being a guide runner? Oh, man. It's, It's through the roof. It created so much more opportunities. I was able to reach so many more people from being a guide runner, especially after Rio. Rio was the point in time that was my, that was the, that was that, that, that's honestly what created my platform as guiding, even though I've been doing it since 2004. Rio was 2016. I just stuck with it, got better through the years, Mm -hmm. paired up with an amazing guy by the name of, of, of David. And now that, Paralympics has actually created so much more, and now it's on TV. They're getting so many hours. People around the world are seeing the value in what athletes with disabilities can do to change this world and what they've gone through, the obstacles they've overcame. it's, it's, It's insane. You have athletes that were born missing limbs. You have athletes that have lost their limbs accidents or you know, or just, or even in, or even in the military, you have military guys that have, or women that have lost their limbs. So to mm. see them overcome these obstacles, it just showed you that the sport is growing. Yeah. Wow. And I'm, so I'm happy to be a part of it. I really am. You're a pioneer. Honestly. I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it. Like I said, he created so many opportunities of me being in the sport and it elevated. So my platform now, after 2016, I get a lot of mothers and fathers that reach out to me and said, hey, you know what? This is amazing what you do. My child is blind. I didn't even know this existed. So now yeah. it carries over to yeah. years of, of, of it growing, the Paralympics growing. And here we have this, this pandemic that had happened, You know, the coronavirus. So we're all stuck in the house. You have parents that are with child, are with the kids that are blind, and now that as soon as we started slowly coming out the Paralympics, I mean now out of, out of the, the pandemic, I had parents that reached out to me and said, "Hey, could you teach me how to guide run?" <laughs> wow. So they were wow. parents, parents were, were saying into,
1: that. Wow, were
2: flying into San Diego. I had families flying into San Diego, connect, meeting them at the parks, teaching them how to guide run, putting the blinders over them bringing their friends around and teaching them the exact same thing just so we can actually build something great. Not Mm. only that, I had other elite athletes that retired from the sport of track and field saying, Hey, I love what you do. How do I become a guy runner? Now, Now you tell me to me, that was an amazing feeling because when I first got into the sport, at that time at that point in time i had a lot of athletes was like oh this is awesome what you do that's and gave me the 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 clap but i knew in my head this is a you guys got to see what these guys are doing it's amazing and it's about to really change so now in the sport you have other guy runners talking running with these guys and it's elevating oh it's a different level now wow it's just different
1: man bro there is literally so much passion when you talk about being a guide runner. Talk to us about what was your experience with the disabled community prior to this opportunity?
2: I had no experience. I had no experience going in, but I definitely think that it all stems from my background of growing up. I had mother and a father that really truly supported everything that I did. I had a father that was in the military, but also a track coach who who took in anybody and everybody that needed that help Mm -hmm. in the summer track. And I had a mother who would talk to anybody. I had that. My mom talked to any and everybody. And I didn't understand it as a kid growing up, you know, the values that they installed in me young growing up. You know, my mom would talk to anybody on the streets. Hey, hey, how you doing? You know, and Mm -hmm. I was a kid at the time was saying, oh, come on, mama, let's go. (laughs) And now I'm that person. Yep. So it all stems from me growing up, my upbringing and and how I was raised. And that allowed me to have that open mind and that understanding that when I got involved in, when I came up short at the Olympic trials myself, a good friend of mine had told me, hey, Jerome, do you want to be a guide runner for visually impaired athletes? No experience at all. But growing up to how I grew up, I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do this. First person I met was Lex Gillette (laughs) and we hit it off immediately, totally blind. But like I said, my upbringing and everything that I that I've done growing up, I automatically fell into that role. So effortless. Yeah, it was easy. So when I met someone that was totally blind, me not having that understanding. So I thought I wouldn't have had that understanding. That role was just easy. Yeah. Wow. I took him on on the side. We walked, we talked, we communicated. And prior to meeting Lex that day before, I knew I needed to put myself in his shoes for that brief moment as I could. So yeah. I went down to the track at the Olympic Training Center in a huge open field, put the blinder over my eyes and tried to run. And even though I knew I was in an open field, I was, I was hesitant. I was yeah. scared. Yeah. yeah. I was scared. So I knew within that that time, he needed to delegate his responsibilities to me in order to feel comfortable. Hmm. So those are the things that I I took on, I believe. And having that communication and that tight bond with Lex allowed me to, to see the other disabilities that were involved in the sports. Whether you were a dwarf, whether you were in a wheelchair, whether you had cerebral palsy that understanding of, of okay let me put myself in that shoe or let me let me communicate and talk to him and ask those questions the problem is people don't ask the questions
1: yep yeah
2: and and being in that field of someone that had full dis, you know that was fully function functional i knew that it was important for me to ask those questions like i was talking to you earlier tony my good friend he has cp So I I felt comfortable of asking those questions Mm. and and he was happy to to let me know. And he was thankful that I was asking those questions because I, once again, wanted to be a strength coach, a trainer. Now, if I did train someone with with a disability, I needed to know how do I make those adjustments? Mm. How do I make you successful? What do I got to do on my end? So it's it's a give and take. It's a give and take relationship that we have whether it's someone that I'm not working with or someone that I am working with in the, in the, in the vision impaired athletes, I need to know, I can't just be the guide and I need them to guide me too. And that's what it takes to be successful. We both need to be guides on both ends to be successful. We not only need that common goal, we both have to, and you will hear me constantly talk about how important communication is. And that goes on anything in life. And that's just, that's, that's, that's it. That's a part of life. That's it. This is, that's what makes us successful communicating with your partner.
1: Mm. bro. it's, this story is absolutely beautiful. So much so yeah. like it, you know, I get teary-eyed thinking about how you an able-bodied man would set aside your able-bodiedness to empathize and sit with disabled athletes to long for them to win. Yeah. Mm. Like, that's amazing. But even on top of that, I think while you connect to these athletes so much, you put their humanity back into them because – the sad reality is, you know, me having cerebral palsy, myself, a lot of people will only see the disability, mm-hmm. whereas you see their humanity. And that's just so, so beautiful.
2: Man, I mm-hmm. truly appreciate that. But I, I, it's not just for me. It's it's the people that I'm surrounded about. And yeah, I'm surrounded about around greatness all day from the Paralympic realm to the Olympic realm. And and once again, everybody that I surrounded myself around played a big role. And once, like I was telling you, Tony, asking those questions, that helped me become better at what I do. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes you just have to ask. Instead of staring and sitting back, ask. And half the time, that's all it takes.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's good. you know, honestly, as you're saying this, obviously, Tony and I, we have been friends since high school for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and Tony actually didn't like me at first because I was an <laughs> ath- because I was an athlete yes. because I was yes. popular. And um, I don't know if it was because he thought I was making fun of him because Tony was bullied a lot. And then it just got to the point where, like, Tony started hanging out with us. And then he, be- he just became like another one of the guys. Yeah. We have a friend. I wish you could meet him. His name is Marky and he literally has taught Tony how to do so many things, how to play ping pong, how to swim, how to ride a bike. And it's like, so growing up, seeing that when I came to the Olympic training center and seeing how we had, you know, able-bodied athletes, and then we had athletes with disabilities, but it was all normal because I was like, I know the training that you're going through too, yeah, to, to get to this highest level. And to me, It was just it was beautiful to be in that environment because it was like, oh, yeah, um, that person is blind or that person um, doesn't have a leg. But it was like we're all eating in the same dining hall, all going to the same practice fields to put this work in. So to me, that was just such a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And I feel like for you, first of all, shout out to your parents. I appreciate Um, it. for, yes. for for like instilling that because that's not that's not normal And know I, I would say mm. even in the black community i would say that's not even normal either mm. um i will i wanted i did want to ask like we talk about you, you have a lot of passion behind this you have a lot, a lot of love behind this but i'm sure mentally you had to like get to a place that was like okay like this is now my direction can you talk a little bit about that about that transition and like did you have any like really dark days you know transitioning because it's like an athlete transitioning into a new career
2: yeah yeah I mean you know I, I always bring it back to when I first got involved into the Paralympic world you know 2004 that's the first I qualify for the Olympic trials make it to the semifinals and get knocked out and then two weeks later I'm actually working with the Paralympics the Paralympians. So being back at the training center, when I, I felt at that point in time, I was supposed to be in Athens watching the opening ceremonies for me was very difficult, Mm. very difficult. Seeing my, my, my training partners and my roommate waving, you know, with the USA on, it was, it was difficult. So it was bittersweet. It was bittersweet. Mind you, you have, the, you have the Olympics and then three, to week, three weeks to four weeks later, then you have the Paralympics that actually go to the same venue, same area. They're just three, to, three weeks later to, to a month later after the events going on. So oh, when wow. I get over there, it was like, oh, man, I felt that I should have been over here a long time ago. Wow. But I'm here because I, I'm here to do a job and 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 make sure I, I get this guy on the podium. First person I I worked with was once again, Lex Gillette. And I was actually at that point in time, just a, a caller. So a caller Mm -hmm. is a little bit different from a guide runner. Lex Gillette is a long jumper at that point. So all I would do was set him up on the runway and clap him down the runway. So here you have a totally blind athlete running 40 meters away, full speed at you by himself, listening to your voice. And you move out the way at the last minute of the board and he jumps in the sand. Now that you talk about guiding Mm -hmm. and you talk about calling. Calling is much more difficult. Mm -hmm. Now you got a guy really giving you his full divided trust and running full speed down a runway, a narrow runway and jumping into a pit. So this is what happened. We're in front of 70,000 people. Full stadium, biggest stadium I've ever been in. And when all of these blind athletes jump, the, complete, the, the stadium is completely silenced. Wow. So not only that, you got all these, all these spectators watching you. Yeah. And they're watching me. This is wow. my first big time. So I, <laughs> I set him up. Set him up. And then I run down to the end of the runway by the board where he's supposed to jump into the sand. Straight. 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 Straight, 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 straight. At the last minute, I move out the way too slow. He hits me. I fall onto the side. I turn around. He's in the, he's in the sand hurt. Mm. So now I'm thinking, what do I do? This guy didn't train all his, this guy didn't train hard to get to this point. We had two weeks of training. I understand that, but now I ruined his career. Wow. This is when all of this takes place. All of my growing up and and having to understand you have to adjust. You have to Mm. adapt. And you have to be ready for anything. This is where this all took place. Ran over to him. He stood up. As soon as he stood up, crowd goes crazy for him. So now we're in Athens, Greece. All these people in the stands, and I knew I had the crowd on the side. He's young. And, and as soon as I said, hey, man, the crowd's going crazy for you, you see this big grin, this smile of excitement. And, and with that being said, though, this guy was willing to give me another chance after knowing me for two weeks. Mm, wow. That right there was insane to me. Wow, This guy was willing to delegate his responsibilities one more time for me. He trusted me that that much to, to, to put what happened right then and there aside to get him down the runway. So I knew within that time frame right then, OK, this is serious. This guy's giving me another chance to get him down his runway. We're not going to make this same mistake again. And I will never make this mistake again. So here we go. Line him up. Straight. Straight. Straight, straight. Boom. He gets a silver medal off of that jump. Wow. So this right then is when I knew all of those hard times that I've had trying to make those adjustments paid off. When he was on that podium, The flag was around him and me looking up at the jumbotron. He can't see, but they got the, they got the cameras right on him on the jumbotron and that big smile on his face with that silver medal, man, you talk about one door closing another one open opportunities. Here we go. This is, this is where I need to be. Yeah. And that also showed me, right then and there, in this point in time in my career, that I'm here for a purpose. I'm here, I'm put on this earth to be someone else's eyes. Now, you talk about something that is big. Yeah, You're talking about having a reason for living and and loving your life, being here for a purpose. And we all are here for a purpose. Some of Uh us just don't know it yet. But all of our upbringing and our life experiences—they're bringing us to a certain point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We just may think that we're route, you know. We think that we're we're going down this route. We we think that we we have it all figured out. We don't. We may go off path, but it's technically not going off path. That's just the route that we're supposed to take. We just don't know it at that time. Mm-hmm. But please believe, we always go back on the right path. And that's what happened. I'm on the right path. I was always on that right path. Yeah. And this is where I'm at now. Guide running, I didn't know was going to be a part of my life. But I was meant to be a guide runner. I was meant to change lives. I was meant to guide lives. Yeah. My mantra is guiding lives. That's my hashtag. Mm -hmm. And thanks to Lex Gillette, he created that for me. He's like, hey, Jerome that that's you guiding lives. This is what you do daily in and out with all the people that you work with, with all the people that you touch, you're guiding lives. Not only that with the, with the post-collegiate athletes now that want to be guide runners who've reached out to me through social media, through parents that reach out to me. Not only that, through teachers that, that guide these kids, Mm -hmm. they're guiding lives through parents, they're guiding lives. Through coworkers that 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 know the that that have that experiences and 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 reach out to their teammates and say hey, try this and that. Yeah. And they're a part of guiding lives too. We all guide lives in different ways, like I say, different platforms, but yet we're on the same platforms doing it. But we're all guiding lives.
0: Yeah, man, you got me fired up. I'm out the oh, brick is.
2: wall right now. Hey, hey I want to run too. I want to <laughs> run too. But, um, but it's the truth. And this yeah. is all this all stems from my upbringing and me being in the position to have that understanding of working with someone that's visually impaired and putting my, you know, painting that picture so they can see it. Mm. You know, me having that understanding. And now I'm able to reach out to corporate groups. Yeah. Team building activities. It's it's the same thing. What we do. It's the same. It's just Creating those opportunities that you can see it through another lens or without a lens at all. Mm. Closing your wow. eyes and connecting with someone. Wow. It's the vision is always going to be there whether you can see it or not. There's still always going to be a vision. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah. If you
2: understand what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's wow. That's good. You. This is this is amazing. I did want to um touch a little bit on. So you have. 2004 Athens Olympics, 2008 uh, Beijing Olympics, 2012 London Olympics, 2016 Rio Olympics, and then uh, numerous, uh, numerous worlds, mm-hmm. um, starting from 20, uh, 2006 to 2019. What is your favorite, Ooh. or sorry, most memorable
2: <coughs> medal? Uh, sheesh, the first one, of course, putting Lex Gillette on the podium. Very special for me. That's when I understood... You know, another door closes, another one open. After that, 20 uh 2008, I was officially able to be a full-time guide runner and work with Josiah Jameson and, and get him a gold medal. After that, I honestly thought that my career was done. So I retired from the sport for three years. A lot of people don't know. I left the sport for three years, but I I, I felt something was missing. And you know what was missing? I think it was uh, I think. Year three, after I thought that I accomplished everything in the Paralympic world, I got somebody a silver medal, got somebody a gold medal. When they said, hey, we're going to start allowing the guide runners to medal as well. Mm. That's kind of got me fired up again. But the thing is, I came into it with the wrong mindset. You heard what Mm. I said. Mm. Oh, guide runner get
1: medal. Yeah.
2: So now my mindset had kind of switched and I forgot the, the, the team. Well, I don't think that I forgot the team, but I forgot the importance of the understanding of a team and why I was there. Guess what happens in 2012 was the only games I wasn't able to put someone on the podium. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say it, but I personally feel that, you know, me having that understanding, Okay, I can I can medal now. You know, I got overly excited of that and forgot the importance and the values in guiding forgot the importance and the values in why I'm there as a guide runner. Mm. And, it, and it could go both ways, but me being the person and I that I am, I just felt like that was the reason why we didn't medal. Mm. So then after that year, building up into it, 2016, and you asked, what were my special moments? It's Leading into 2016, I started 2014. I was end up pairing, paired up with another athlete by the name of David Brown. Me not making that mistake that I made in 20, 2012, I had to go back to the basics. What do I need to do to get you ready to go, David? What do I need to do to get you on that podium, David? Did, did, what did we do at practice? And once I lived through, make your mistakes in training so you don't make them in a competition. Mm -hmm. that's what we did we made those errors in practice so about time 2016 rolls around we're prepared and ready to go so i knew when we got on that track for that final race we was going to win a goal i knew it
1: yeah
2: i knew before we stepped on that track we was ready to win and that's exactly what we do because we prepare for that Mm -hmm. i was a better guide runner i was prepared I was able to make those, hey, David, what do I need to do to be a better guy? And he Mm -hmm. told me, those are the things that I needed to do in order to be a better guy. I needed to hear that from his side. Yeah. So 2016 rolls around. We win a gold medal. Guess who gets a gold medal in that time? I do. Yeah. But that's having that understanding of the reasons why I'm here. The reasons why I'm here to put him on that podium. Success once again. Success through selflessness,
0: mm.
2: knowing that that would make twenty sixteen very valuable to me, and make that probably one of my favorites because of that hard work that I've done and achieved to to have that understand and put a, put aside my my uh you know what's the word I'm looking for su- su- self the su- su- the selfish. selfish ambition yeah yeah that that's what allowed me to be a better guide yeah so after I got that medal, I slept with that medal on <laughs> <laughs> metal on. But like I said, you know through through my experiences as guiding, that man it's it's just been incredible, and the journey has not stopped. Mm,
0: yeah, it allowed
2: me to create so much more from guiding.
0: Mm. yeah i mean you're you're inspiring not only athletes, you're inspiring parents you're inspiring, um, just humans, corporate organizations. And it's amazing to watch. And it's amazing because like, we're just sitting here on a podcast and I'm like already getting fired up. Like, what, what am I going to, what am I going to do next? You know? Um, but you know, hearing your, your athletic transition, you know, you went through a lot, like going from, you know, you running to yourself and now you're guiding and then your focus changes. As soon as you hear there's medals involved, you know, (laughs) um, what would you tell your younger self? Maybe like Jerome, who was young in the game, maybe like when you were probably popping in high school or something like, what would you tell that Jerome?
2: Be patient, be patient. Um, Have that understanding, everything you learn, everything that you are learning and you will continue to learn. It's going to pay off. It's going to pay off big time. Everything that you've, All those mistakes that you have made to become a better person, to become a better athlete, become a better student of the game, it's all going to pay off. Those conversations that I've had with my parents, you know, where I sit down and I just want to leave and, okay, okay, I heard it all before, it's all going to pay off. And even subconsciously, (laughs) we, we sit there and sometimes you feel that it goes in the ear and right out the other, it sticks. It really sticks. And I felt though all of that that I've learned has paid off and, and allowed me to be who I am today. One of my favorite movies is uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Have you ever seen that movie? I haven't. For those that never seen them, I recommend it. For those that have never seen that movie, it's 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 basically about a kid that lived in the slums who didn't really have anything and through life experiences of him growing up. You know, whether it was from the smallest things that you would have thought, this guy gets on how to be a millionaire in India. And all of these questions that have been asked are through his life experiences. Hmm. So he 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 made it to the top because of those experiences that he's had in life. So even though I'm not a millionaire, I feel that I'm a millionaire because of those life experiences.
1: Yeah, that's good.
2: So be patient, Mm. have those understandings of, of those mistakes are going to be, are going to be great. Those hardships of life are going to pay off for you.
1: So good. Well, yeah. So what would you say to our listeners that want to achieve something, whether that be athletically or something else, but they, they feel like they can't.
2: Can is not definitely not in my vocab, especially after being around people yeah. with disabilities. Yeah. That's something. Once again, I come from an individual standpoint of, of track and field. I grew up around track and field, and it's so funny too because I, have you know, I've, at track meets now when I see when I've strained my hamstring, I'm doing air quotes. Strain my hamstring. Or or had those days where I'm like, man, I got a 400. <laughs> I'm sick, coach. I don't want to do a 400. Yeah. Uh, I'm sore. I'm hurting. Yeah. Being around someone with a disability and and seeing someone overcome obstacles. Now when I step on the track, because mind you, I still have to train just as hard. After I'm done training with some or training with the guy that I'm running with, I have to still make sure I'm faster than him. So I still have to get in that hard work. So when those 400 meters come around now, okay, let's line up. Let's do it. It's not, a, it's not a question anymore. So with that being said, it's those, it's, it's being around people that allowed me to be in those positions. I'm around people that put me in a position to where those things that I felt that weren't, that were very difficult or were hard, aren't hard at all. Mm. So once again, surround yourself around, around those people.
0: Yeah.
2: And trust me, your mindset will be totally different. Yeah. Surround yourself around people that are making things happen. Surround yourself around positive people and your mindset will automatically change to something great. Those things that you felt that were difficult and were hard to do now become the easiest thing. And after you accomplish those things, now you're like, oh, that's it? I can do this again. That's it.
1: Yeah. So good. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Uh, talk
2: to, that's good. Talk to us about what's next for you. Uh, well, now I'm paired up. So 2016 leading up to it, I was running with David. Pandemic hit. David decided to, to choose another guy runner for the Tokyo Games. Which is perfectly fine, but during that time frame, like I said, I was able to touch a lot of people and and it's funny, full circle rolls around. Lex decides that he wants to to run again. and Lex was the first guy that I was paired up with in 2004. So now leaning into it, we're getting ready for world championships next year uh and and Paralympic and uh the pair of pans, which is in Chile. So you have pair of pans in Chile earlier in the year. You have world championships in Paris at the end of the year. So we're prepping to get ready for that. And for those that don't know, this is a light secret, but I'm gonna let it out. Let's will be one of the first totally blind athletes to run indoors next year. Wow. So we're running indoors and I'm super chuse wow. about that.
1: Exclusive.
2: So we're we're, we're trying exclusive. <laughs> yes. We, we planning on changing the game and this is something that we wanted to do. Change the game. Yeah. So, world championships next year, Pan American Games next year. And then, of course, every four years, you have the, due to the pandemic, it kind of messed up things a little bit. But 2024, you have the Paralympic, the Olympic Games and the Paralympic Games in Paris. So, that's the ultimate goal, you know, to be at the Paralympic Games in Paris with Lex Gillette. And, the, and what's crazy is that'll be a 10 year cycle
0: of you 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 know you going from your first one with Lex in 2004 oh no no you said 2004 2004 so 20
2: years what you oh my goodness oh my goodness wow 20, 20 years you've
0: mm-hmm. been in this game and yeah with like it you started with Lex and then this next one will be with Lex yeah um first of all can you just tell the people like
2: how old you are now that now I'm uh, you hey so i'm i'm 43 Birthdays in December, going on forty-four. You know, I got that uh, that Michael Jordan uh, and and Tom Brady syndrome going on right now. So you know, but- surpass them, like. And the, the crazy thing <laughs> is, them, huh? <laughs> Like you're, like you're still
0: fast. Like you're not slow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, being surrounded around them, in order for me to be successful, I know I have to be ready. And at the end of the day, if I can't do it, of course, we're going to have to bring on somebody that can do it. But I'm going to run until the wheels fall off, or at least till I can do it, or stay competitive at this elite level. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's 20, 20 years.
2: I, yeah.
0: man, I was like, whoa. Yeah, man. man I've been, I've been in this game ball. for a minute. You need. I'm um, just want to give you your flowers and hats off to you. Yeah, that, right. I, Take them too. So that I appreciate is amazing. it. <laughs> amazing, man. Um, we have one last question before we transition. Um, hearing this whole, this is amazing sir. I'm so excited for the listeners.
2: Um, what does it mean to be authentically you? Oh, I think it's when your your values, your values, your ideas, and and of course, all that aligns you know, once again, I can always go back to my upbringing and that created everything that I do today to this, to this day. And that, that allowed me to be authentic, you know, and having an open mind for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I'm in a world where I was in a, like you said, I'm a trailblazer, trailblazer. I, there was nobody that was involved in guide running. And at one point in time in guide running, it was, Just a we were just known as, oh, yeah, he's the one that runs with the athlete with the orange vest. Mm. That's all we were. We were just athletes with an orange vest that said guide on it. But I felt it was important for us to get our voices heard. Mm. So that's when I was like, you know what? Drive, 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 drive. There you go. Come on now. Keep it going. You're at the 10 meter mark. Keep your body going. You're looking good. Come on. You're at the 20 meter mark. Come on, keep it going. They're coming in on the inside. You're at the 50. There you go. Stay up tall. Stay up tall. You're at the 70-meter mark. Come on. You're almost there. You're almost there. You're at the 90-meter mark. You're at the five. Lead. That's what I created. That's what was important. People needed to hear guide runners. The athletes needed to hear guide runners. Everybody to need to understand how important the role is as a guide. You have to talk, you have to communicate, you have to motivate. And not only that, you have to sit back and allow somebody else to take the win.
1: Come on, man. Yeah, But
2: once again, you're a part of that team. That's allowed me to be who I am and authentic.
0: Man. Wow. Uh, this first of all this has it's been done. This is so good. It was like a mic drop right there. Um
2: you guys got me pumped up. Man. I'm, you, I'm pumped, pumped, up. pumped up. You got us the pumped up. questions that you guys are asked please believe I love them and thank you so much for asking these questions because these are the questions that I would love your listeners to hear and have that understanding and, and this is how we all connect together. Those questions are very valuable and that allows the the person that are that are that are saying these speak their truth. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for having me and allowing me to to express myself because without those questions, I wouldn't be able to to allow it to flow as effortless as it is flowing.
0: Yeah. 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 That's good. Man. We did want to transition to our final segment, um, okay. the segment of all segment, what is called rapid fire. Ah, oh, here we go. <laughs> so we're going to ask you just three questions. First thing that come to mind, don't pass go, don't collect your 200 Just the first okay. thing. Don't ask your dog, which you have a bear. You have a bear of a dog. Yeah, I do. So. I do. Um, <laughs> uh, first question is, what's the most important thing to you in life? Probably my family, my family, you know, I'm not even gonna see probably it's my family. Yeah. And when I see you on Instagram with them, it just looks like y'all just have so much like genuine fun.
2: Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. You know, and I've made those sacrifices because as a guide runner, we have to make those sacrifices. I can't go home all the time. So when I get to see my family, even though we talk all the time, face chat, I mean, uh, Instagram chat and all that when you see them, it's just so much love there. And I embrace all of that. Yeah. You have to. Yeah.
1: That's good. So, next mm-hmm. one, super deep, is a hot dog or
0: sandwich?
2: Hot dog or sandwich?
0: Yeah, is a hot dog a sandwich?
2: Is a hot dog a sandwich? Ooh, that's a good one. huh? No, nah, I don't think it is. Now nah. Why? Ah, why? I don't know, man. This is a hot dog and a sandwich just. <laughs> Cause hot, cause the bread is one bread, it's technically one bread.
1: So, so you wouldn't call subs a sandwich.
2: Yeah, because it's separate. So this, all right. So here we go. If a hot dog breaks, the bread breaks, the bun breaks, then it could be a sandwich dog.
1: <laughs>
2: it's a sandwich dog. Until that bun breaks, it's a it's hot a, dog. It's a hot dog. Okay, it's a hot dog.
0: Oh, I sure. haven't heard
2: that. Like I haven't sandwich, heard dog. that one yet. That okay. one makes sense to me. That's that makes freestyle, sense to too. Me. That was off the hair right there. <laughs> that was off the hair. Oh so man. you have to take that one with you right there. It's a sandwich dog at that bum break.
0: That makes sense to me. Um, last, good. last question is
2: How would your friends or family describe you in three words? Three words. Uh, I say loving, motivating, and passionate
1: sounds about right right
2: if i can say it
1: that's good so uh thanks uh so much jerome uh let the listeners know where they can
2: find you you can always find me on the gram i'm always on instagram underscore jerome avery underscore underscore j-e-r-o-m-e-a-v-e-r-y underscore um another platform i'm trying to get on this tiktok thing y'all i'll try to get on tiktok TikTok is crazy right now and it's popping. So I'm definitely trying to get on it. But if you want to reach me, if you want to see what I'm doing, whether it's with anybody or any athletes, the videos I post, Instagram is the best way to, to get in touch with me to reach me.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you again, Jerome. This was, this was an amazing um, opportunity. So thank you for taking time out of your, your schedule to hop on with us, connect, and let the people truly hear your story and your passion. So we're thankful for you.
2: Uh, thank you. Thanks, I bro. appreciate you guys, man. Tony Conroy, I appreciate you guys so much. I, I I want this to blow up. Keep yes. asking those amazing questions. Yes. I'm telling you, as, as someone that gets the interviews all the time, you know, we always get the same questions. So when you ask those questions and, and I can tell that you guys are passionate, what you do as well. I truly appreciate that. And once again, that makes me. Bring that same energy that you bring towards me. So once again, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Truly appreciate y'all. Man, thank you. Absolutely. Y'all.
1: Thank
0: you. Until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace. Peace.
1: Tony. Good night. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> I this one. I knew this one was going to be special just because I know Jerome, but I didn't know it was going to be this special.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I said I I teared up, I teared up at this story. Like, Mm. this, the the way he talks about how he lays down his able-bodiedness to center the disabled experience, and then restores humanity back into someone with a disability. Like, I mean, that's just amazing. Um, and when we asked him, like, his most memorable medal, it it all had to do with goddamn running not once did he mention a medal from his previous career. That's mind-blowing to me.
0: Yeah, and I love how he literally, he, he ties guide running into everyday life and how it is about communication, how it is about humbling yourself. It is about putting others first. Like, literally guide running and, you know, being a part of the Paralympics has changed his life and it's crazy that it's changing and inspiring other people's lives too and I'm so excited to see like where this is in 20 years because like he literally is the pioneer
1: as he should be like what guide runners are offering their time to train parents to do this work like what yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so guys, first of all, you might need to run this one back. <laughs> you might oh, need to run this one back. There's no
1: might, bro. You yeah. You need to.
0: I was just like in awe pretty much. I like I'm I've spoken with uh, Jerome in person, but like there's a whole new fire like lit underneath him, which is yeah. Super dope. But, but it's great. Y'all know what time it is. It's the time of all times. The time you've been waiting for it is the friendship quiz. And for you guys to really know who is the better friend. And to be clear, I don't know who is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, this is gonna be an easy one. Conroy. What was my first
0: car? it was scott's car right
1: final answer
0: oh, tony why you why you make me why you make me second guess your first car was scott's car I'm yes it was, to it was it was a it station in. wagon yeah it was a station i don't know what brand but it was a station wagon and It was scott's car Bref. do you
1: even know me what what was it what was it it was the um gold chevy Cavalier.
0: Oh, okay. So, I had that one in mind, but I'm like, that wasn't your first one.
1: Yeah. Because after that, that's when I got the uh, Subaru.
0: The Subaru. Yep. Dang. I did think about that one. Shoot. Bro. Well, people, it's clear. I'm
1: the better friend. But... Until next time, y'all. Be authentic in everything we, everything you do. Peace. He's out.